You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded hoes. Hey guys, it's Danica, and I am joined once again by Riley. So two episodes ago, we had the lovely Samantha Mack join us to give us the female perspective on the porn industry. Today, we are joined by male porn star Derek Pierce to give us his take on the world of porn. Derek is an American porn actor, porn director, and host of his own podcast, The Scholar and Sinner. Known as the bad boy of adults, he's been featured on GQ.com and BuzzFeed, as well as being currently nominated for yet another Avian Award. We are so excited to chat with you today, Derek. Thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. So originally, you were a personal trainer and a martial arts instructor before becoming a porn actor. How did you first get into porn? Oh, gosh. Um, The shortest version possible, I was dating somebody who was interested in getting involved in the adult business. We went to the show one year. Um, She got started and then started wondering why I wasn't doing stuff in the business, but she was talking about behind the camera. And as you look around, you realize that there's directors and cameramen who don't want to teach you their trade because that's how they put food on the table. So wasn't nobody trying to teach me how to white balance a camera or hair light or, or you know, backlight or anything like that. Um, but they kept asking me if I was talent. And I was like, no. I'm like, I'm talented, but no. <laughs> I'm the dude that jerks off to this stuff at home. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so I went back to my girl at the time and was like, hey, these are the offers. And she was like, uh, hell no, you're not banging checks for money. And uh, I was like, whoa, they're going to pay me this much money. And she was like, how much? (laughs) And she was like, well, can you do it? And I was like, well, I don't know. Because that's always everybody's knee-jerk reaction. It's like, I could totally do that. I could totally do that. And somebody goes, okay. And you go, "Uh, maybe not. (laughs) And so I basically lied my way onto my first set, um, which was a movie called Goth Send 4 by a now defunct company called DVSX. and the first girl I worked with was a girl named Vanessa Lane, who's drop-dead gorgeous and lots of fun. And I acted like I knew exactly what the hell I was doing, even though I'd never done it before. So, uh, you know, I just like was like, fuck it, wing it, and see what happens. <laughs> awesome. Fake it till you make it, really. <laughs> okay, so, so clearly you're faking it till you make it has done you well because you're obviously doing something right. You won the 2009 Night Moves Award for your Best Male Performer. You won the 2010 Avian Unsung Male Performer of the Year Award. You won the 2014 x Award for Best Actor Couples in Tough Love. You won the 2016 XRCO Award for Best Actor for Magic Mike XXL, a hardcore parody. You won the 2019 XBIZ Award for Best Sex Scene for After Dark. And you're currently nominated for another Avian Award. So I feel like if anyone knows the answer to this, it's going to be you. How do you get good at being a porn star? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> no, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> I was like, well, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do you get good at it? I Listen, I, I don't ever think that I was supposed to be decent at porn in, in, in the general regard, right? When I got into adult, there were no dudes with tattoos. The only other guy that had even remotely as many tattoos as I did was Barrett Blade. And I have, at that time, even 
twice as much ink than he had. So there was no small hands. There was no Tommy Pistol um, or um, Owen Gray or any of the other dudes that are heavily tatted now, right? None of those guys existed at the time. Um, and so what I kept getting was like, well, we'd love to book you, but um, you're bald. You're 220 pounds and you have a gang of tattoos. You're probably not going to be the love interest. And <clears throat> so here's this gangbang. You can do that. And I was like, man, it's way too many penises around me for my taste. Um, and uh, so I basically stopped doing those types of scenes and focused on trying to get in more. Right. So I don't I don't think anybody really like when I first met Brad Armstrong, who's like one of, you know, the legendary uh, uh, directors and performers for that. Right. Um, when I first met him, he was like, look, I, I heard you do good scenes. This is in the beginning. Uh, I heard you're a good performer. I heard you can even act, but I don't shoot guys that look like you. So if there's a bad guy role or something, like uh, maybe. And I was like, well, thanks for, for you know kicking me in the nuts softly, <laughs> but uh, you know I appreciate it. And um, the irony is, Brad said that in whatever year that was, 2009 or eight or something, and then fast forward like three, four years. And then there wasn't a feature that he was shooting that didn't have me as the male lead in it. Um, so I think it's, it's, uh, you know, just about building those relationships, but I also came up in a time when see nowadays, uh, I feel like it's a lot easier for the guys to get started. They have so many other avenues of operation to get in. I kind of came in, in that last bracket of the show me crowd, right. Which were the Evan stones and the, um, uh, um, oh God, who else? Um, Tommy Gunn, um, Manuel and like, oh, just all of like these prolific performers, you know, who, if you didn't do it right the first time, you never got hired again because it cost too much money. And so, you know, in order to be put up on game by, you know, legends like those, you know, it was, it wasn't like, it's okay. You failed, buddy. Here's a pat on the head and we'll give you another shot. They were like, ah, oh, this guy just cost me $5,000. Get him the fuck out of here. You know? And, um, so I think when you say like, you know, how did you get good at it? It's just like, I mean, it sounds kind of messed up, but don't fuck up. Don't fuck up. Be on your game. Be cool with everybody that you can on set from, from the PA to the to the makeup artist, makeup artists will make or break you in this business, which sounds kind of ridiculous, right? But when the chips are down and like they need somebody to come in, if there's a makeup artist that tells the director they work for every week, oh, Derek's available, he can do it. I think why don't you text him? I have his number. He's really cool to be on set with. And then the director goes, oh yeah, okay, okay, that works. You know what I mean? Or the girl, you know, you have to be cool with these girls. They they have a really 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 tough job both on and off camera. And so the more comfortable you can make them feel, the more often they'll ask for you. There are girls in the business that won't do BDSM scenes unless it's me, you know, because uh, they feel safe with me. They know I know what I'm doing, so on and so on and so on. So it's not just about performing or being able to get your dick hard, right? That's kind of like the easy part. That's the resume. Just because you can get it up doesn't mean you have a job. And just because you have 10 inches of love for somebody don't mean you can work. You know, I run circles around most dudes who are way bigger than me. And it's because I know what the hell I'm doing. And I've invested in understanding what the cameraman needs and what, you know, the lighting angles are. Getting the hell out of the way and making you guys look good when the camera's on. That's my job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that answered it. 
Um, but actually, you touched on a couple things, which brings us to our next question. Uh, so you've been in the industry a number of years. How have you seen the porn industry change during this time? Have you seen certain trends come and go or different styles or body types come into the spotlight? Um, I think I came in at a time when we were at the tail end of what I would consider the consummate porn star, the Jenna Jameson types, the, you know, which were, uh, not Jenna Jameson circa 2016. I mean, Jenna, when you were like, damn, you know, like that time, um, <laughs> that the girls, the girls had curves and they had tits and, you know, they looked like full grown women. Um, so I think I caught the tail end of that, um, and then it kind of went into the Riley Reed look, which, I mean, Riley's gorgeous. You know, there's, to me, there's no, no discounting that. But she's also extremely petite, very, very small and very young looking. And so I think that also filled something. And then you kind of see this ebb and flow, right? Because you have the Riley Reeds and then you have the Phoenix Marie's and the Bridget B's and Olivia Austin's, which are more voluptuous and, and much more porn star looking. And then you roll back into the Abella Dangers, who now are, you know, thick through the bottom, but certainly, you know, in shape and gorgeous. So I've kind of seen these trends, but I think if I'm saying what what is popping now, it's just more along the lines of, um, looking natural, but not necessarily being natural, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you seen a big change in what the male performers are looking like over the years? Yeah, they look like small hands now. <laughs> that's, that's my little brother. I love that guy from the day that I met him. Um, you know, but uh, him and uh, Xander, um, you know, that's to me, they were the changing of the guard about like two or three years ago. You know what I mean? Like I recognized that guys like me were a bit of the dinosaur, you know, kind of like the veteran that's, that's been around and we're not old yet, but we're certainly leaning that way. And, uh, you know, guys like Small Hands and Xander and um, um, Ricky Johnson and those guys, those are the new it guys. Those are the going to be if, well, they're powerhouses now. But a couple of years ago, they were coming up as the new all star rookies. You know, uh, even though Xander's been around for like six years, I still he's still a rookie than me. Um, but like they're the seasoned professionals. They are the stars of this business now. And guys like, uh, small hands are multifaceted. Like the dude's an amazing, um, musician. And, you know, like, uh, every girl's like, I wish my boyfriend was like small hands, you know? <laughs> and so. for listeners who may not be familiar with their work, how would you describe those gentlemen's body types? Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, Okay, so it's not really fair comparison because I'm six feet tall and 220 pounds, so I'm not a small person. <laughs> um, Aaron, uh, small hands is about maybe five seven ish, and like 150. And Xander's right behind him, weighing in at a at a huge probably 170 ish, and Ricky Johnson's about the same. Um, so. They're not like, they don't look like little boys. That's just a, a body type, you know what I mean? I guess more like a rocker type, that slender Euro Euro build. Mm -hmm. You know, the guys like Manuel and myself and uh, uh, Will Powers and a few other guys were the few and far between, I think. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So as you know, we chatted with Samantha Mack last week, and she's actually the person, obviously, who put us in contact with each other. So her and I chatted, and she said... 
in quotes. Derek is my new coach for Porno Boot Camp, and we started filming next Wednesday. He is the best of the best and the man who completely changed and upgraded my career. I owe this man a lot. Make sure you ask him about going to psychotherapy to control his cum shot to be a better porn star. He's done a lot to make sure that he's the best of what he does, end quote. So can you talk on, you know, as you said, you know, you joked that practice is a big thing and, you know, knowing how to do your job and knowing how to show up properly. But it sounds like there's like a lot more you put into your performance. When I first started this business, it would take me forever to pop, like fucking like half hour. Like, you know, it was so bad that um, uh, there was a director that I used to shoot for and I shoot for him like every week and he would literally pull up a chair and eat his lunch and be like, just let me know when you're ready to pop. And he'd be like eating a sandwich. And I'm just like, oh, okay, I will let you know. And he'd be like on an apple. And, you know, um, and so, of course, just like anything, when you get too mental and cerebral about it, right, is then it just affects you even worse. If, if you're like, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And you're like, oh, my God, it's happening, it's happening, it's happening. So it just perpetuates itself. Um, so I was really desperate to try to cut down and minimize the time it would take because you start thinking about the most ridiculous shit, you know, there's, you're like, okay, so, you know, Danica's right there and she, I want to make sure her hair's not in the way and am I in her light and okay, their cameraman's there and that cameraman's there. all the whole time where you're, you're jerking off and <laughs> you're like, I got to make sure everybody can see and am I in the way and oh God, are her knees hurting because she's been waiting for me for like five minutes already and oh, my wrist is starting to cramp and you just start going down this checklist of bullshit, you know, that you're going through. And so I went to a psychotherapist who just kind of after a few sessions just helped me calm down. Because that's what it was. It was like, you know, calming down. And for many, many years, I would never fuck to pop, ever. It would just be too much pressure because I'd be afraid. Like, well, maybe you're going to roll the wrong way. Maybe you're going to turn around in a fucking circle, which sounds stupid. But I've seen so many girls roll off of the couch the wrong damn way. And I'm like, why are you facing? I'm over here. And the camera's there. Why are you looking at the wall? You know, and so you start getting into these frame of references. And, and, uh, so it just helped me breathe and calm down and relax. And, um, the irony is now the big thing, one of the big things is VR porn, virtual reality, right? Now, virtual reality, they do not want you to jerk to pop because they don't, for virtual, they don't want to see the guy who's watching doesn't want to see your hand jerking this dick that's supposed to be his. right? (laughs) And, uh, so they want you to fuck to pop. Um, or at least get to a point where the girl can do it for you. Um, and so the irony is when I'm doing VR, I almost never jerk to pop. And I thought it was the weirdest thing because I could literally like, actually sometimes I have to like breathe through it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm really close. Oh, stop, stop, stop. Um, and the reason why is I don't have shit to worry about. There's nothing, I don't have to get up. I don't have to move. I don't have to touch it. I don't have to do a damn thing. I just have to lay here, look outside the camera every once in a while to see how pretty a girl looks right to me. And <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's all I got to do. Everything else. If the pop shot is messed up, that's her fault. If she gets tired, that's her problem. If something's not right, that's her issue. You're not mine. I just got to lay here. And that's it. And so I've, Almost always, probably 90% of the time, I fuck the pot when it's VR. And 90% of the time, I jerk the pot when it's a regular scene. Weirdest thing. 
<laughs> and so for those listening, pop means an orgasm. <laughs> I love that Tom thing. Tum shots. Tum All right. So uh, speaking of Samantha Mac, you two are currently working together on a porno boot camp. Can you explain to the listeners what a porno boot camp is and what your role is in it? I can tell you what I think it is because I haven't <laughs> actually shot anything for it yet. Um, I think we start doing some auditions uh, next Wednesday. We have to confirm everything. But um, I know what I've seen of it. What I've seen of it is Samantha had come up with this porno boot camp thing in Canada because she had no male performers. Um, or what she had, there wasn't uh, enough of them for her uh, production to become viable because she didn't have enough guys to choose from. So the next best thing was to basically train her own. So she came up with this boot camp style porn program where she could help develop performers, both male and female performers. Um, So when her and I spoke about it, um, I said I had watched an episode, which I think I did. I don't remember which one it was. Um, but what I, uh, I noticed, well, what she was saying is it's very difficult for her because she's female and most men have a problem taking direction from a woman, especially when you're talking about male performing, right? Like, you're not going to tell me how to fuck, you know, like that's a bit of a stretch for most men. Like when a girl's like, no, 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 like this. And you're like, you don't have a dick, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, and so just through the course of conversations, you know, originally she had wanted me to do like an episode and then like a kind of like an instructional and then it kind of carried on because I, I, I know you can't tell, but I'm not a very reserved person and I, and I speak my mind. I know I hide it really well. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, I've always found the uh the comedy and the irony in what we do for a living and how easy people think it is uh you know to kind of like put up or shut up and uh you know so through the course of our conversations she was like well maybe you know there's more here maybe it's something you could do as like a co-host kind of thing because she didn't have a male element it was just her and then her squad you know, and so she didn't have like a, a male counterpart to bounce all of her stuff off of. And there's not a dude in this business that has done more than I have done. There's been many that have done as much, you know, but like been in every situation on the planet. So like when a dude starts complaining to me about some bullshit, I'm gonna be the first one to be like, dude, shut up. Like, I don't want to hear your bullshit because I've been through it all. It's cold, tough shit. I don't care. The girl doesn't like you. Hey, well, that's why it's called a job. You know, you're not feeling it today. Well, go and cry in the corner and I'll get somebody who can do the job, you know. Uh, and so I don't have to be extra sensitive, you know, to somebody. It's like I watched a performer say something like that to Brad Armstrong, who's, again, uh, a staple in this industry as a performer and as a director. And he was complaining about, like, the surface they were going to do the scene on. And I was like, oh, man, you better shut up, dude. You better stop. Stop talking. Brad's going to laugh at you any second now because he's done it all. You can't complain to the guy who has already done what you're complaining about doing. You know, and so when those guys have a problem, I'm going to look at them and be like, and <laughs> let me know when you're ready to do your damn job or get the hell out because I don't have time for you. You know, and so after a course of long conversations about it, um, she thought it would be a good idea to to give it a go. And and I originally I thought it was kind of a stupid, corny idea. Like, 
porno boot camp. Like, how stupid is that? You know? But after watching it a little bit, I was like, you know what? She's, she's got a really good idea. Um, it's a really cool way for somebody to find out if you really are about it or not. You know? Because everybody thinks it has to do with the size of your penis. And listen, it's just like Disneyland. You have to be at least this tall to ride this ride. But that's not the only requirement. You know what I mean? Just because you slang in a lot of wood does not mean that you can do this job. Yeah. Um, it's the same. Like I always say when people are like, if I was a pretty girl, I'd be a stripper too. And it's like, you think I make the money I make because I have a pretty face or because I have big tits? Like, do you know how much other work I put into making the money I make? Try to convince a man to give you thousands of dollars to sit there and fucking talk to you. <laughs> like, like, see how well you do. <laughs> My first girlfriend in this business, what I got into the business with, was one of the most gangster-ass strippers ever. I mean, ever. She, and I could be wrong because it's been a long time, but at one of the, the, um, most widely known conglomerate clubs. So I'll let you put those two together. Mm-hmm. It has an animal on it and it's <laughs> not a tiger. And the last guy, the owner's name is gray. Um, she at that point in time held the record for the most money made in one night was, was just shy of $25,000. Wild. And one night and she had a gangster. She knew her customers pin numbers she knew which credit cards had which amounts. She was a thug. Like, I mean, she would get them to come in at 11 o'clock, make them go to the ATM before midnight because that was that day, and then go to the ATM again after midnight because that's a start of another day. Like, I'm like, how do you even think of this shit? And she's like, because I'm a hustler and I figured out the trap. Uh, so, like, I watched one of, like, the most gangster ass chicks make stupid money stripping. It is, and it had nothing to do with the fact she happened to be attractive, but it, it's all hustle. It's not just because you're cute and you sit on a bump on a log. It's all hustle. A hundred percent. So going back to porn and shooting porn, what is your favorite subsection of porn to perform? And is there any type of porn you won't do? So any porn that I won't do, I don't do like uh, any any same-sex porn, like gay gay stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just not for me, um, you know, so I don't do that stuff. Um, and I do a lot of BDSM. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily my favorite per se. It is absolutely one of them because I like the power play dynamics between the two. Um, so it's something that I have a tendency to excel at and something that I built a big portion of my career on is, is BDSM stuff. Um, uh, I am very much, uh, and have an affinity for rougher scenes. Um, but it, it, I'll be honest with you. It's really about the women. I really, really, really love women. Like (laughs) there's nothing better. And so I do, I do um, the best I can with bringing out the best in, in them, you know what I mean? And so if the scene is supposed to be a slow, uh, more of a, a romantic love style scene, then I'm going to exhaust every opportunity I have to do that. You know, if it's a, a rougher scene and things of that nature, uh, that's also something that I'm going to then pursue vehemently. 
um, checking in with guidelines and things like that. But um, it, it, to me, it's really about the girl. It's always about the girl. And a gentleman. So kind of thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> Teach my former boyfriends. <laughs> <laughs> um, so having sex on camera obviously must be very exhausting, uh, especially having to make sure you get all the, the pops, the shots, and the angles. Um, is sexual depletion a thing for you? And if so, how do you kind of replenish that? Um, I'm pretty sure I have a problem. I'm pretty sure it's an addiction. I'm pretty sure I have a sex addiction. I just never addressed it. So if you ignore it, it's not an addiction. <laughs> if you make money it's an, off it, yeah. It's an enthusiasm. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, there's days you don't really want to have sex, I guess. Um, they're few and far between. Uh, I don't really ex- experience that too much, you know? So it, it's, uh, it just depends. It depends. There's some days you're just on set and you're like, oh, God, it's the last place I want to be. But even, you know, at the best career in the world, whatever that is, there's still days you don't want to work, mm-hmm. you know, if you're just tired or whatever the deal is. I don't run into that very much, um, but it does happen. When I'm shooting for, like, my OnlyFans stuff, it happens because I, I, I feel redundant. So I guess anything that feels redundant to me, I'm like, this is boring. Like, this is stupid. How many times am I going to jerk off sitting in this chair? You know, and before he's like, yeah, there you go. Do it again, you know. Um, so I guess I like the spice of the variety of it all. That's probably what keeps me motivated more than anything else. So like getting around those mundane activities is just trying to bring something different to it whenever you're there, you know, and really connecting with your counterpart. Mm-hmm. So speaking on that, and you say you're you joke or maybe not joke, <laughs> that you're a porn addict and you enjoy sex a lot, has working in porn change the way you enjoy sex in your personal life and if it does how so yeah absolutely um it's 100 percent changed it i i have a much deeper appreciation for it so here's the difference okay so if i were to go out with you normally a normal guy would somewhere back here be really, really trying to have sex with you that first night, right? That's just kind of, you know, we always hope for the best, expect the worst, that kind of deal, right? And you can be like, listen, you know, we're not fucking, I don't really know you, whatever whatever your deal is. Um, And for most men, that would be disheartening, right? Because they're like, oh God, you know, I really, I want to fuck, I want to have sex, you know, whatever. Um, For me, it doesn't really hold the same value like the 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 quality of our interaction is not defined by the physical attributes that we end up in because if i don't fuck you today i'm fucking somebody else for my rate tomorrow it's so it's not about the sex mm-hmm. you know so it gives me an opportunity to connect with somebody so if i go out with a girl and she's like just so you know we're not having sex tonight and i'm like yeah okay and it's like no for real and i'm like that's fine and they're like, so, like, I'm not going home with you. And I'm like, yeah, I got it. And they're like, no, I'm just telling you so you don't have any misunderstandings. And I'm like, do you not want to go out? And they're like, no, I want to go out. I just don't want you to get the wrong impression. And I'm like, okay, I promise. I'm not having sex with you tonight. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not going home with you. And I'm like, I got it. I'm not having sex with you tonight. And now, like, their whole shit is like, 
well, wait a minute. I didn't mean like that. And I'm like, no, no, it's cool. No matter what, you and I are not sleeping together. <laughs> um, and, and the reason why I find that amusing is because most men, and understandably so, that's the ultimate goal. That's the pinnacle, right? But if I do that on a day-to-day basis, if you're like, we're not fucking today, I'm like, okay. We can fuck next time or the time after that or whatever. I'm not really making a big deal about it because the pinnacle is not sex. The, the pinnacle is is interaction. The pinnacle is communication uh, and things of that nature. You know, it's not the sex. The sex is not the apex of the activity for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. makes sense. We got to get more guys onto your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, that's, I think that's pretty true. Like even – as a stripper or the full service sex worker I talk to, um, I think it starts, you start to place importance, at least I speak for myself on men, like being like, you're really smart. And it's like, oh, like, I don't need to hear another guy tell me how great my tits are. Like I bought them. I know they're nice. Like <laughs> I put a lot of money into them. Um, so yeah, I, I can understand how your importance or your focus shifts when you're used to getting sex all the time or, or yeah. such. Um, with regards to like the actual act of sex, have you noticed that the way you have sex in a relationship has changed since you've been in porn? Um, unwittingly, sure. I, I subconsciously know how long we've been having sex in that position for. <laughs> You're like, we should change positions. The cameraman would not be happy. Yeah, I'm like, we're in cowgirl. And I'm like, it's been about a good five minutes already. We should probably turn this around or something. <laughs> Um, you know, <clears throat> so I affectionately do what I call sport fucking now. Like I'm fucking for calories. <laughs> I want to get a workout. Um, and my focus is different. My focus isn't even about like my orgasm. My my focus is about enjoying the activity. I really really like sex, and I really love women. So they go together very very well. Um, and so for me to spend extra time and activity. Uh, it's, it's fun for me. And I like to do things that I don't always get on camera on camera. Sometimes it's like, just, Hey, listen, stand my against the wall and take it and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, cool. oh, okay, cool. That's fine. And then other times they're like, okay, slow everything down. Don't pull their hair. It's very loving. You guys are a couple. And they're like, all right, cool. <clears throat> so when it's my time, I get to do a lot of the things that I like to do that I might not always get to do. Uh, uh you know, and so it, I love time taking time taking for me is a big deal. You know, there, there is more to a woman than, you know, nipples and, and a hole in the middle. Like it's not, you know, there's arms and legs and necks and hair and, you know, backs and feet. And like, there's all these other aspects that you can elongate the activity, um, which I appreciate. And I like anticipation. I like buildup. You know, I think it's really cool if, I'm going to be intimate with somebody and we haven't been before. You can just see them start to be like, Oh my God, are you going to fuck me already? Because I'm dying. Like you need to. And I'm just like, no, (laughs) better fucking be patient. And so I, I love the anticipation. I love watching that build because then when it comes to fruition, it's something that's intense and it's something that the other person might not always get, you know, because I think most men are have a, t- uh, uh, a habitual activity of scrambling, you know, like just get it in before she changes her mind. And it's like, <laughs> oh, relax, dude. You know what I mean? Like, like if I get it in, I'm, I'm home safe. Like now she has to, you know, and, and 
it's like chill out, bro. Like you know, if you're doing things right, it's not going anywhere. It'll be there. You'll be okay. You know, and men seem to have this huge sense of of uh, urgency of like it's got to be now, 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 now. And I just don't operate like that. So having sex off camera gets heightened for me because it's it literally means I really want to have sex with you. Not nah, I'm just trying to get off. Mm-hmm. Body image is obviously not just something that women have to deal with. I'm sure men have to deal with it as well. Um, how has having a career that is focused on your physical appearance affected your relationship with your body? Um, I've always been hypercritical. And I think that um, men are hypercritical of themselves uh, more often than they would ever admit to and more often than women are aware of. Um, but especially when you're in front of the camera all the time. I mean, like I'm the consummate fat ass in my own mind, like, you know, ill regard of what somebody else tells me, uh, I guess, you know, a lot of women react that way. So I guess in that way I react like a female and like, Oh my God, you look so good. And I'm like, ah, see, because right back here, there's like some fat and it's some bullshit and I've been trying. And they're like, I just gave you a compliment. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as I turn and try to chase my ass, I can kind of see it for a second. You know what I mean? (laughs) You know, or if I happen to catch a glimpse of something on, on, uh, you know, on the camera or for whatever, I see a picture on Twitter or something. Oh my God, could I get any fatter? You know? Um, so I go through those things often as well. Um, so I think it's, it's something, but I also think that most men don't spend the time to take care of themselves. And at some point in time, it becomes a balance between being healthy, physically fit, and having good physical wellness, and then also wanting to look good naked. And I think that there's a balance between the two. And, you know, most men stay steadily screaming abs, 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 you know, uh, or something like that. And then they don't take care of the other activities. Like, you know, they do a shit ton of drugs, and they do all these other things that don't benefit, you know, have positive benefits for themselves in the long run and as can tell you as somebody who's not 20 years old it fucking matters you know it's a big deal and you have to take care of yourself so speaking of relationships with yourself relationships with others aren't easy in the adult entertainment industry uh even you know speaking as a stripper and we've talked to a lot of full service full service sex workers um dating can be fucking hard um, how has dating been for you as a porn star? <sighs> um, I'm a whore. <laughs> I've been a whore for a long fucking time. I started out as a slut, and now I'm a whore. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the dating thing was an elusive activity to me for a very long time, and I felt like it was something that was filling some sort of void for a long time as well. Uh, I'm now married uh, happily, and my wife is all types of amazing. Um, and that's something that is newer. And um, so, but the dating thing, uh, it's been plagued. I've been plagued by it for a long period of time. Uh, commitment issues, um, dating multiple women, fucking lying constantly about who I'm seeing, who I'm not seeing. Uh, I have like. Not in a good way, but uh, a laundry list of of females in my history 
I've dated, I don't know, at one point in time, it was like eight or nine penthouse pets, uh, a bunch of Danny girls of the year and like, you know, hustler hunt, like, like, you know, the ones that guys jerk off to constantly, you know, um, hold on. Helicopter. Um, and I never found somebody who completely filled that void because I think that for myself, this was something I needed to come to terms with is that I, I never trusted that somebody would like me for me. And because of the work, you know, you eventually like, I mean, how you deal with it being, uh, you know, a, a dancer is that you're not who you are. You're who they perceive you to be, you know, um, which is a portion of you, but it's not you. You know what I mean? You don't wear fucking stripper heels as you do housework. Sorry, that's not how it normally goes. Any more so than I carry around a flogger and just beat random bitches in the fucking hallway on my way to the fucking bathroom. Like, it's just not, this is not reality, you know what I mean? And there's portions of it that are very real. But so when you develop yourself as being somebody's potential fantasy or uh, a persona, um, I always say that, you know, I got so used to being somebody's arm candy and diamond bracelet that when I get objectified, I'm like, cool. That's fine with me. That's that's what I signed on for is to be objectified, right? And they're doing exactly what I allow them to do. So this is what I'm here for. I'm not here for somebody to love. I'm not here for somebody to take seriously. I'm your one hit it and quit it. You're gonna go back to your girlfriend and talk about how you fucked this dude who does porn and you can see him on Pornhub and blah blah blah. And I'm the notch in your bedpost, but you would never date me seriously. You know, because why the fuck would you do that? I fuck girls for a living, for Christ's sake. I get paid off of my dick. Like, how, how serious can you? You can't talk about that at the PTA meeting, you know. Um, <laughs> well, you could, but it would not be on Front Street. Um, and, and so when you start dating in this business, that's what you start dating, right? Is you start dating other performers because who else would better understand what you're going through, but then that has this whole amount of dilemmas and roadblocks and all that kind of shit. Because now I'm dating you, you're a female performer and you're cool with Tiffany, but you hate Stephanie. So I can work with Tiffany all I want, but Stephanie's a fucking cunt and you better not work with her because she's a bitch and she was mean to me on set before. So don't talk to that bitch. And now I gotta be like, sorry, Stephanie, I can't fuck you on camera no more because my girl doesn't want me to fuck you. You know what I mean? It's this whole other (laughs) thing. And so I stopped dating female performers for the most part because there was a, a very much a gray area. And my wife is not a performer. Um, she's a business professional. She actually is an upper-level executive for a company. And she doesn't know the difference between Danica or Tiffany or Mary or whoever. She just knows I'm fucking somebody uh, for money, and she's fine with that, you know. Um, but the biggest problem that I had is lying about it like just not being truthful like my wife now much like she was like i don't care who you fuck i don't care you can fuck whoever you want i could come home you could be knee deep in somebody i don't care i only care about not knowing that's what i care about and so of course i go oh my god that's amazing now let me lie to you <laughs> because it's that insecurity right is you're like well you're not possibly that cool there's no way so oh you flinched so you must not be telling me the truth so i'm just not gonna tell you 
And now, since they didn't tell you about that, now I'm not going to tell you about this other person either. And by the way, you don't live here. I see you on the weekends. So Monday through Thursday, I'm just going to go back to being a general scumbag the way that I was before and continue to disenfranchise myself from you, right? And so when you talk about the pitfalls of dating, when you're an adult of any kind, dancers go through it too. I've watched so many dancers go through the angry boyfriend who's the fucking band member that can't make it and his chick makes all the money and he drops her off at work and now she's a dumb fucking hooker because she dances for guys for a hundred bucks. By the way, give me money to put gas in your car that I just dropped you off in. <laughs> wow, you're explaining a lot of uh, Danica's exes. <laughs> you know him too? Did you date him as well? <laughs> like, yeah. I've, I've known them so many times. I truly believe that if you're going to date somebody in the adult business of any kind, you have to not only tolerate what they do, you have to like it. Like, I mean, like it. Like, it has to make you wet. You feel me? Like, like uh, you have to be like, babe, how it's working? I'm like, oh, my God, it was awesome. And you're like, for real? Tell me more. You know, that's how it has to be. Otherwise, I think you're kind of doomed to fail. You know, um, and, and because it has to be that level of openness and, and honesty and, and it's hard. It is really, at least for me, it's really, really hard to be that open because when you think about it subjectively and at a distance, who's going to want to date me? I'm not, you know, any, anything for somebody to write home, but I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer. Never mind that there's been times I've made money like them. Never mind that I have all these multifaceted activities. At the end of the day, somebody's going to be like, I saw your man fucking two girls on camera. Wow. What kind of a whore are you? And if you can't handle that, then you're not built for this. And the people that are built for it are few and far between. So, you know, you are, are already having an uphill battle with personal relationships. By all means, get into some sort of adult content. That'll really work things out for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's hard because people love you when they start. Like, I'm sure every dude that you've dated has been like, oh, my girl's a dancer. She's fucking bomb. Look how hot she is. And three months later, when they like you, like you, when they love you, they're like, you're a fucking slut. You're a whore. I can't stand what you do for a living. You're like, wait a minute, Turbo. Fucking two months ago, I was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Now, three months in, now you like me. Now I'm a slut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. We have the saying, like, everyone wants to fuck a stripper. No one wants to date one. And it's mm-hmm. always the first thing that our partner will throw in your face in a fight. That's how you find out they're not okay with it. And then they're also surprised that you are still doing that job once you're with them. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, well, this is how how I met you. (laughs) And this is how I am. And I've known so many strippers that have had sugar daddies and ran the whole whole game. and, And there's a system to it. And I know the system. I've been around the system for strippers for a long, long, long time. I know how it works, you know. And it's not... It's like these insecure people that date those females perpetuate the activity. And it's like you don't want them to act that way, but you steadily treat them the same way. So guess what they're going to do? Act exactly the same way. And that's what we get conditioned to do is act a certain way. It doesn't mean like for my wife, it's, it's not her fuck up. That's my shortcoming. And I actually put a video out on my Instagram when everything came to a head. She found all the messages, everything, 
in one one watt, like um, on my wonderful iWatch, because I'm a fucking genius. <laughs> uh, and the shitty part is, is that I just, I made her feel stupid and I was devastated. So I put out a public apology to her and to other females that I had dated in the past too. And it wasn't so much for them. It was to hold myself accountable to the activity and the action and to realize that, you know what, if I'm really going to make a change, I have to put myself out there and I have to push myself to the forefront because I'm the common denominator in the fuck ups. All these women coming and going is not their fault. That's my fault. I keep choosing that person because that perpetuates what I've been leaning on the whole time. So if I want to make a change, then I have to own my own shit. And that means I have to be like, you know what? I've been fucking everybody behind your back. Everybody. And I'm just going to own it. And if you walk away, I'm still going to make the change. And so when I put that video out, it was like a, a making a statement for myself and I took my comments off. I didn't give a fuck what anybody thought. It had nothing to do with that. It was just me stating it for myself so I couldn't go back. There's a there's a theory called um, you know, basically like burning the ships behind you. Uh, there was a famous explorer, he was facing mutiny, and when they landed on shore, everybody was like, Yo, we're gonna overthrow this dude, we're gonna go fucking back to Spain. And he was like, For real? Lit all the ships on fire and was like, Now we can't leave. There's no way to go back. So either we work together or we die. And that's for me putting that video out. That's what that was, right? It was like burning ships behind me and be like, I can't go. Hey, Danica, by the way, let me come over real quick. Like, I can't because you already know. You're like, you're fucking married, you asshole. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's no way to go back. So that means I have to move forward. And that's that. And so since then, I've been working on that change. But dating in this business, the reason I bring it up and it's long winded is because dating in this type of activity is hard. It's already hard enough dating as it is. You know, everybody has their social media persona and all of these things going on. And then to add to it, then uh, a, a serious relationship. Good luck, because it's a fucked up road. But when you find somebody that's worth fighting for, everything is worth it. Like everything falls into place, you know, and and, and it's tough. Like I, I have shitty days all the time with my wife because of my past misnomers, but it's worth it every single time because it, it's helped me move past making those bad decisions, you know? So for the dancers that I know that always end up with the same guy, better look in the mirror. They ain't the problem. Another thing I've noticed too, is that when I'm dating someone and I think you can attest this as well, um, people that aren't in the industry have a really hard time imagining being in a sexualized situation and being able to differentiate that in your head as business and work. And I've explained it to my partners before being like, I'm Danica at work and it's my job. And yes, it's very sexual, but that's like compartmentalized in my brain as sexual work and work, like my work mindset. And when I come home, I'm Danny and I have my, you know, my Coke bottle thick glasses on and you know like that's the real me that you get and they have a really hard time being able to think of that differentiation um how do you manage that I I assume it's something you do in your mind as well as separating personal sex from work sex how are you able to do that I so for me they crossbreed okay you know what I mean um for me they there's elements of each one 
in the activity. Um, I've had many girls not in the business, and they're like, I want you to fuck me like you do those girls on camera. Or I want you to fuck me for real. And I'm like, they're the same thing. Mm. I just follow directions on camera, right? And so, but for me, they crossbreed. Uh, and so while Danny and Danica might not crossbreed, there might be elements of the two that do. And I think the one thing that happens is there's a certain level of potential intimidation, right, of being woman enough, you know? Like, I'm not like all those hot girls you bang on camera. And I'm like, well, hot girls. <laughs> not that they're ugly, but they're not all dime pieces. Like, you know what I mean? Or, or even if they are, they might not be the, the, the hot one for me. You know, because that's all about perception, right? One person likes this, one person likes that. Um, and so I notice more than anything else, the problem isn't separating the work and the personal. The problem is getting that person to realize that they don't have to live up to a different standard, right? So, like, again, for a dancer, you know, I'm not like those fucking rich guys that drop thousands of dollars on you all the time. You know, sorry, I can't do that. And you're like, you fucking idiot. I didn't ask you to do that. That's not what this is about. I want to come home and I want to fucking hop in bed and hug you and watch TV with you and cuddle with you and tell you how shitty my night was or about how I just made five grand because one guy was super fucking cool with me. You know, that's what I'm looking for. I get the other shit from them. I don't fucking need it from you, you know? It's the same thing with these girls. It's like, I'm sorry. I don't need you to deep throat my dick and gag on it and spit all over the place. I Did I ask you to do that? No. If I didn't ask you to do that, then stop thinking that that's where my head is at. You know, anal doesn't have to be every night. Like, this is not, you know what I mean? That's stuff that I maybe do at work. It doesn't mean I don't ever want to do it at home. But, you know, the difference is, is that those people are feeling a different activity for us than what work does. And they need to realize that they wouldn't be where they are if they didn't hold that level of importance to us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so last question before we move on to our plethora of listener questions. Um, what do you think of the term ethical porn? <laughs> ethical porn. I don't know. You have to you have to describe I've heard it before, but you have to describe to me what ethical porn means to you. Uh, both in the sense that uh, people in the porn industry are being paid fairly for their job and also yeah, that, that part first, and then I'll come back to it. Yeah, I think we kind of want you to describe for us what you think ethical porn is. Um, wow. Well, I think that's the first time I've been asked that. Ethical porn, to me, I guess it would probably lean more towards um, consensual porn. Because I, I think, to me, at least in the adult business, people end up coerced to do things all the time. And while it ultimately is their choice, it's very much like, you know, hey, can you just do this for a few minutes and then this? Or, hey, if we give you an extra hundred bucks, will you do this? Or, you know what I mean, like this kind of stuff. And rather than just respecting somebody's limits or if they're a soft limit, you know, saying, hey, listen, we'd like to do this. You certainly don't have to. Nothing's going to change. We'll pay you a fair amount to do these other things if you agree. And if not, no problem. You know, and I've seen it fall on both sides. So, I mean, ethical, 
I think ethical. Then I start thinking about moral, and then that goes into personal preference because uh, some things people might think that are not ethical that I, I'm not bothered by. You know what I mean? So I, I don't. I think most porn is inherently ethical because you do have consent from both sides. But maybe maybe a little more clarity, you know, is is might be what would be needed. Um, and I have seen my fair share of low life fucking scumbags that you know, coerce and, you know, do non-ethical things in order to get more out of a performer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I go to a university, which has started a group called Porn Hits. And, uh, it's just about exactly that, like not watching porn and not knowing if people have actually given consent, especially when it comes to rougher or BDSM scenes, if you don't have that disclaimer at the beginning or the end. Um, so first of all, like, I guess, how can you make sure that it's consensual? And then to follow up, like, what are your views on, um, I guess, normalizing rough sex so that people are then looking for something more and more extreme and like how that mm. kind of works into the ethical aspect of it. Okay, so now now I have some clarity, so I understand that a little bit better. Um, did you say you're part of a group? Uh, no, 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 no. I came hurts? about it. It's at my university, and I sat down with oh. them, and I was like, have She's, you guys ever <laughs> She spoken? started it. Yeah. <laughs> she heads it. No, no, no. I was like, have you guys ever spoken to someone in that industry? And they're like, well, no, like, we've just looked at research. And I was like, there's dirty okay. whores. Um, First off, you can tell them I said to literally go fuck themselves. <laughs> Their name is insulting to me just <sighs> by the sheer nature of the name. It's fucking pathetic. Um, that's just my knee-jerk reaction. Tell but, us how you really uh, feel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be happy to tell anybody to their damn face. I don't give a fuck. Um, but uh, the, so, so the irony about that is is having things. So it does go into consent, right? So companies like Kink.com, which I've worked for for a decade. So if we were to shoot a scene together, we would start the video by going over some basic limits like, hey, uh, you understand that you're able to say uh, stop at any time. We use safe words because stop, no, and don't don't really ring true in BDSM-style stuff. So we use words that actually mean those things. So um, <clears throat> uh, yellow mercy means to slow down and you don't go any farther than you're going, but you don't want to stop. Red means everything stops at that point in time. If you happen to have some sort of, of uh, uh, speech impeding activity, like a ball gag or something, shake your head three times, look at the camera. So we know that that's what you're trying to say. Your top will always check in with you. So we go through a rigorous checklist. There's, for kink, two or three pages of, of um, uh, you know, sexual activities, uh, words, situations, um, that you can fill out, like, you know, I'm cool with everything. Just don't call me a bitch. You know what I mean? Uh, or don't slap the left side of my face or whatever. And they don't ask you, well, why is that? Um, they just say, okay, cause those are your limits. And then we do the scene. And then at the end of the scene, they do another check in a post where they go, Hey, so how was everything for you? Oh, everything was cool. Uh, was there anything that you didn't like throughout the scene? Um, that you wouldn't do again or that was really hard for you and you go, oh, well, when I was tied upside down, that was really rough on my shoulders, but I would totally do it again. I had a good time. It was just really hard for me. What was your most favorite? What was your least favorite? So mm -hmm. kink goes like through a rigorous intro and outro process um, and 
they do that for a reason. Both, number one, their fans really, really like it. And number two, it also aids that, uh, you know, you were of sound mind when you were doing these things. Um, now, that doesn't mean that's always the case. I've literally seen girls be high on set and pass the fuck out in a scene. I mean, like, I watched one girl, like, mm-hmm. while well, a guy was going down on her. She was like, ah, ah. <laughs> And fucking passed out. And the dude was like... <laughs> and they stopped the scene. She slept it off. She woke up and she was cool and they finished the scene. But I don't think that's appropriate. I think she should have been kicked off set. You know what I mean? Um, but that goes into a whole other thing. So when, when we talk about ethical, I just think it's levels of communication. Gamma also, uh, which is... Um, uh, they do uh, Pure Taboo uh, and a couple other websites, but Gamma as a company, they also have a relatively rigorous uh, intro and outro process. Um, you know, they, they do a check-in, you do your, your yes list, your no sheet, and then they go over it right before you start your sexual activity. Um, and they also have something called Pineapple Support, which is just a, a, a basically a, an outreach program, kind of like a um, uh, a therapist, you know, you know, I'm having a really tough time and that kind of stuff. So they have a completely anonymous and they have sponsored that and they pay for that on top of everything else. Um, so you have that option too. So I think there's a lot of companies that are taking, uh, the correct steps to help keep people safe, but people, uh, unfortunately people are people and they do things that they don't necessarily want to do for their own reasons, whether it's the money or whether they're acting out, and then in the aftermath, they have regrets. You know, how many people do you know that have drank themselves into a throwing up sick pass-out activity and the next morning, and they're like, wow, I really did not want to do that. You didn't say that on the 15th shot last night. You know what I mean? Last night on <laughs> shot number 15, you were like, I want another one right before you passed out. So, you know, some of it's personal responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, which I you know, then again, goes into a whole or other foray of other other activities. But I think more than not, the porn is much more conscious socially than it's ever been before because more people have a voice. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, I will be sending that to Pornheads <laughs> when you had your next meeting. <laughs> With a quote, uh, go fuck yourself, Derek Pierce. <laughs> End quote, Derek Pierce. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, guys, that's the end of the first part of this two-part interview. Make sure to listen to the second part to hear all of our listener questions getting answered by Derek Pierce. And before you guys run away, make sure to check out our amazing sponsors. We have Miss Envy Botanicals, and they're dedicated to producing 100% organic medicinal cannabis products available at upscale dispensaries nationwide. They have a wide variety of products ranging from topical skincare, culinary additives, and cannabis oil, as well as Phoenix Tears. All of their creations are produced with only the best organic non-GMO ingredients and infused with love. Use code DANNY10 for 10% off. Truly Lifestyle Brand is an all-natural and cruelty-free skincare company that allows your skin to become its best self. They just launched two new amazing products, a facial scrub and a powder exfoliant, so go check those out right now. Use code TRULYPLUSATIP for 10% off your first online order. 
Temptations Admi Laundry is a Canadian-owned laundry brand with a variety of styles ranging from sexy and wild to demure and sweet. Check them out on Instagram at Temptations Avenue and use our discount code TIP25 to get 25% off. That's TIP25, T-I-P-25 for 25% off your entire order. And lastly, for hair and skincare products that work absolute wonders, follow my girl on Instagram at tiffany.valentina.bella. Message her Danny Hair to get your personal hair and skin consult and save up to 40% off on her amazing products. Have a wonderful week and happy hoeing!